Hey, who's next to see Santa? Me, me, that's me, that's me. Hey, wait a minute. I think my kid was next. Sorry, dude, but I gotta get this request in now or the podcast will never start. Okay, I guess that makes sense. No, Santa, Santa! Ho, ho, ho! Hop up on Santa's lap and tell me what you want for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is peace and goodwill for all. And a cabin on the 80s cruise, preferably a balcony cabin or at least one with an ocean view, maybe near an elevator? Uh, I don't think Santa knows what you're talking about. How about a nice Prince album instead? Nope, got them all. I want to go on the 80s cruise. It's a seven-day cruise through the Caribbean that stars all my favorite bands. Plus, there are theme nights and trivia challenges with the two nerds from Stuck in the 80s. Well, well, will Santa's elves know how to book you a cabin? Tell them to go to the80scruise.com and to use STUCK, S-T-U-C-K, as a promo code. And tell Santa to stop talking about himself in the third person. It's a little creepy. Very well. Consider it done. Is there anything else you'd like for Christmas? Another Prince podcast? Oh, oh, no. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now. But who knows what tomorrow will bring? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we celebrate the holiday season with a little twist. Yep. Today we're talking about our favorite dark holiday movies. Now I have a machine gun. Joining us today on the West Coast, sunshine and high clouds, 70 degrees, Just Drew. I'm too old for this <laughs> and on the east coast experiencing cold and snow jen with one n hello hey it's dark in orlando it's warm um and so i'm in a foul mood perfect time for a uh, christmas podcast <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> we call this sunday <laughs> <laughs> so we came up with this idea a few weeks ago we were sitting around pondering what to do for a holiday podcast this year. Uh, previous years, we've done an entire episode devoted to uh, uh, 80s songs about the holidays. We've done a couple of those. We've done um, a whole episode on Scrooged. I think we did a Gremlins one a few years ago. Yep. And so um, I don't know whose idea it was, but it was brilliant. Gee, um, probably yours, Steve. I don't think it was mine. I really <laughs> Mr. don't. Mr. Modest. It wasn't. To make a long story short, we're going to talk about Dark christmas movies these are movies that just uh you know celebrate the darker side of mankind and uh the lack of goodwill the uh futility of peace on earth wow Did they make uh, i'm gonna like go that? listen to the reconciliation <laughs> episode again can i you know I, I i gotta go find my rusty saw blade so i can cut my no. wrist halfway through here <laughs> so here's here let me let me throw this question out to you Aren't all Christmas movies sort of dark? If you think about it, A Christmas Carol is about, you know, Scrooge going around. He's led a horrible life. He's made all these mistakes. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to die, hopeless, you know, helpless, broken, alone. Uh, the Grinch, another like same, same idea. I mean, tell me, find me a movie about Christmas that's all sweet and nice all the way through. Well, Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, that was what I was going to say, too. <laughs> God, it's awful. <laughs> I mean, look. With a young a Natalie Wood? Come on. A good Christmas movie, in my book, has to have some redemption in it, right? So you have to be redeemed from something. So you have to be a shithead up front so that you can have a nice, happy ending at the end. I mean, maybe a, <laughs> maybe a Christmas story would be an, a counterexample to that. Well, it would be because Ralphie's not a shithead. He's just a little kid. He shoots his eye out. But he doesn't. He he sells the lie. He gets away with it. 
Oh, a duck yeah. is murdered at the end. A duck. That's right. I forgot about that in the uh, in the Chinese food place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, but, you're right. That is an example of a of a brighter one, I suppose. Despite the disfigurement that kid will have from having his tongue on the frozen pole, uh, you know. Jen, tell us a happy Christmas. You know, I, story. I, I'm just thinking about like using a Christmas tree, say, as a as a uh, a metaphor. The lights look prettier when you turn the lights out. You know, so I, I'm kind of with. With Whoa. Brad, right, like I'm, I'm kind of with Podcast Brad. Over. I'm kind of with Brad on this one. Like, you, in order to to really highlight the beauty and joy and hopefulness of the season, you you do need some crap to happen first. You know, like it doesn't have to be a redemption necessarily of a of a human being um, or a duck, but but it does have to be like they're, they're, like bad. It's like a, a, a typical narrative. You know, a bad thing has to happen. Or there has to be some kind of sadness or gloom in order for the in order for the happy ending to be to make an impact. So yeah, even Nightmare Before Christmas has a happy ending. Yeah, so I like I, I I'm kind of going more with the Christmas movies with a twist idea, like not necessarily so terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but I do think that the ones we're going to talk about it kind of cast some light on the darker side of the holidays. So, I mean, let's face it, not everybody is sitting around a, a open fire drinking eggnog and singing songs with their friends all month. True, true. No, you remember uh, Bender's Christmas last yeah. Christmas at the Bender household? Smoke up! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's part of the thing, though, is that, that your holidays, they're, they're kind of, you expect them to be um, you know, all cheery and bright and wonderful. And that's why these movies are allowed to go to such a dark place because it plays on your expectations. Right. Yeah. Well, there's not, there's not enough fodder for a movie if there's no antagonist, you know, if there's no roller coaster ride. Right. You know? No so, one's going to go see the Grinch if all he does is feed his dog, take some caramel corn down to the Who's, and then go back up to the cave and have a <laughs> snack before he goes to bed. I mean, that's just not interesting. I, I would probably watch that. <laughs> So here's what we've done. We've picked our top five favorite dark holiday movies. We'll count them down. Uh, I've been told that some of our listeners, our longtime listeners, miss the old countdown show. So we're that's our holiday present to you this year. <laughs> and uh, then we have some honorable mentions. And, of course, then we have our infamous seggies. So you guys ready to get started? Yeah. You bet. Here we go. Number five. Better off dead. That's a Christmas present. You have Christmas in France? Christmas! Christmas! <laughs> yeah, it's the Ricky. Yeah, Better Off Dead came out in the summer of 1985, which is an odd thing. A lot of these movies come out in the summer. Yeah, I'd notice that too. It was shot on a budget of $3.5 million, did a box office of $10 million. It's got a Rotten Tomatoes of like 82%, but at the time, it really wasn't that well-received, which is funny because I remember I, I saw this in theaters, and I absolutely loved it. I got my sister to drive me to the theaters to see it because it was you know something to do, yeah. and I love this movie. And I, famously, you know, John Cusack, when he saw the screening, he went after the director. Uh, yeah. And told him, Savage you know, Steve, yeah. yeah, and said, you, you know, you made a fool of me. You did all this, and he never liked the movie, and actually would never work with him again, except for he had already contracted to do One Crazy Summer. So, I was doing some reading on this, and first off, one of the things is uh, I somehow got into um, looking up filming locations for this movie, and it turns out a lot of the stuff that that they filmed that happened to be like near my house. The famous scene where uh, all the Newspaper kids are yeah. chasing him to his car. That was filmed in a lake in Agora, um, in Malibu Lake. Uh, yeah. Some of the high school scenes were filmed out in Thousand Oaks, which was out by me. And I ended up working um, right next to Hollywood High, which is where they actually filmed the dance and all that stuff. So a lot of that yeah. stuff there. Yeah. The car wash is in Burbank. Mm -hmm. uh, that he gets washed off. Oh, I can't swim. Uh, <laughs> the, the actual house, the house and, and Monique's house are, um, they're like a mile from where I work in Glendale. That's yeah. Funny. They're really they're right there. And one of the things I found really interesting was this is kind of, um, Savage Steve said it was kind of autobiographical. His girlfriend broke up with him to date the ski uh, team captain. <laughs> there was a, a newspaper kid who would chase him and always wanted $2. And he was actually suicidal at one point. And what happened was 
he says that uh, he decided he was going to like kill himself. And so he went out and he got a cord and he wrapped it around a pipe in the garage and he stood on a trash can. And as he was standing there, he was thinking, maybe this isn't what I should do. Um, his weight broke the trash can and he fell into the oh, trash. Geez. It was like a, it was like one of those Rubbermaid trash cans and the <laughs> pipe it's better. The pipe turned out to be a, pl- a plumbing pipe. So it started pouring water on oh, him. Oh no. So he, stu- <laughs> he stuck I mean, in I the guess trash that's better can. better than it not breaking. <laughs> yeah. He's stuck in the trash can. He's got water pouring on him and his mom comes out and starts yelling at him because, you know, he's, he's like, what are you doing? Man. Exactly. And so he started writing down ideas of terrible ways to try to kill yourself, which is eventually <laughs> what became this movie. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Uh, that was one of my questions is if anybody saw this in the theater, I saw this in the theater and I always remember this cause it was, um, that would have been right before my, uh, freshman year in college. I was working at this crummy old theater in Fullerton. It was one of the old Fox theaters. It had been an old vaudeville theater converted to a, a movie theater. It was a huge auditorium, but we were just a crap old movie house and we never got anything first run. Like we played, um, back to the future, but we didn't get it until it had been out for three months. But this we got when it was first out, and I think we had it for about a week. My sister and I went in and watched it one day when we were supposed to be working, you know, as you do when you're the manager of the theater. And uh, we wait, you were the manager of the theater at? She was the manager, and I was the assistant manager. Oh my god, how old were you? So I was uh, eighteen. Eighteen. This just tells you how crummy this little business was. I mean, it was a hole. It was so scary. The The heat didn't work. Like, we were showing... At one point, we were showing Runaway Train. Do you ever see that movie? And it's, like, set in the... Like, Alaska, and they're on this train. It's snowing, and it's freezing cold. I couldn't get the heater to come on. And one of the... In the, in the building, one of the ten people that was there to see the movie comes out and complains to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an effect for the movie. Oh, jeez. He kind of looked at me and was like, oh, yeah, okay. It goes back. And I'm like, that worked. So this is a 4D. Yeah, that's the kind of place that we ran. Um, anyway, I, like we were the only people that ever saw it. I felt like no one had heard of it. And I, we kind of felt like it was our, like, oh, we know about this movie. No one else does. I was a little disappointed when like the kids, you know, the high school kids started talking about, oh, this really funny movie I saw called Better Off Dead. I'm like, no, that's my movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I was working at a uh, video rental store in 1986, the summer of 86. And so this was the summer, I guess, one year after this movie came out. Yeah. And so at that at that point it was in you know the video stores, and we had I think three copies of of uh, Back to the Future that were always rented out like they were never in the store. Everybody would come in there and ask for uh, for Back to the Future, and I would have to say oh, it's all rented out. And I would always suggest this movie instead. But you might like this. Yeah, this was like my go to. I know you wanted that, but you can have this. And a couple times I told people if you don't like it when because this was one of those weird stores where you paid for it when you brought it back. Okay. Because if you and kept it's shocking it, that they went out of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know what happened kept, all those tapes. <laughs> because if you kept it more than two days, we would then charge you when you brought it back late. Sure. And I used to tell people, if if I'm wrong, if you hate this movie, you don't have to pay for it. So Did you? Did anyone ever, ever take asked. you up on that? Nobody did. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nobody did. So I saw this in the theater also. Oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. You guys are so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it, it. The theater I saw it in was also a second run theater. It was my go-to makeout theater, but I did not make out. Uh, and record, we're back. No, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. No, for the record, I, I did not make out in this movie. I just watched it with a friend, and it was hilarious. I really enjoyed it. But I don't think your it's- friend didn't try to use it to put his tentacles, his testicles all over you. Nope. <laughs> tentacles. NT. No, I, I actually did go with an octopus. So it's strange it would say that. But no, it, it's, uh, I, I liked it at the time and I, I've watched it since. I mean, I haven't watched it in many years, but I, I didn't felt like, feel like it held up for me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, really? you know, probably not. But I, my love for this movie, when I start watching it, I'm. I'm right back to when I first saw yeah. it. So there's there's a, a there's a lot of leeway I give this movie because it is very ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But um, is this real anteater fur? <laughs> speaking of which, let's talk about the Christmas morning scene in this movie, uh, where Lane pretty much gets um, a bunch of frozen TV dinners from his mom as gifts. <laughs> yes. Has has anybody here gotten a gift like not that bad? I presume. But like, does anyone here recall like the worst? most dreadful uh, Christmas present you ever got? Well, you know, being Jewish, we celebrated Hanukkah. So 
the problem we have is trying to come up with eight gifts. My, my poor mom and dad trying to come up with eight good gifts. So by like night five, you're getting like, Ooh, look, here's a package of socks. And I think on <laughs> the last day, you liked. yeah. And on the last day, it's usually like a pound bag of M&Ms because you just can't come up with that many gifts. <laughs> I'd, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I think for me, it was uh, my, my, my parents used to have this thing where they would, um, you'd get, you know, your normal slew of presents, but, and I remember this more when I was older, like in the eighties, obviously what they would try to do is get you one really special thing and mm-hmm. they would hide it somewhere in the house. And they would get you – your present would be like some miniature version of it. So okay. one year I got a, a pair of roller skates that I really wanted. But how I knew about it was they gave me a, a, a roller skate keychain. Um, and, and so it, every year I, you would look for that little tiny gift that indicated where the big gift was. Yeah. And the, the year that I turned 16 and could drive, um, the thing I wanted m- most in life was a, a Jeep Renegade. Um, I wanted one badly. And um, – uh, so I'm opening up my presents and it's this weird looking box and I open it up and it's a bottle of cologne shaped like a Jeep Renegade oh. and even had the Jeep Renegade stickers. And so I freak out cause I'm thinking, Oh, oh my God, I, this, I, is the running, one. this is the one I run to the front door. You know, there's no Jeep Renegade outside. Biff wasn't out front just starting the second coat of wax. <laughs> no. And, and my parents are laughing their asses off. <laughs> And they're like, no, it really is just a uh, bottle of cologne. We're not getting you a Jeep. We're, we're never getting you a Jeep. Those things are unsafe. Um, that is so mean. <laughs> Buzzkill. <laughs> it, was the, it was the worst cologne, I think. Of course, what do, you, what do you expect cologne that comes in a Jeep? Yeah. But it was the worst. I mean, it was like lighter fluid type uh, cologne. Did you get a big and, gift uh, that year? No, I don't think I did. No. Yeah. Wow. So, and disloyal listeners is why Steve hates the holidays. I think we might uh, have come to the root of it, it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No other good gift stories, guys? My younger sister once sent me a bag of wooden dice, like six-sided dice like you'd use to play Monopoly with. And I like called her up. I was like, thank you, I guess. And she's like, oh, they're for your dice collection. I'm like, I don't have a dice collection. And she spent <laughs> about five minutes trying to convince me that I did, in fact, collect dice. I'm like, um, okay, well, th- you know, thank you. It's very thoughtful of you. But I, oh, mm, yeah. That's the only one I can really <laughs> think of, though. <laughs> would have, would have rather had the TV dinners. Yeah, I, I mean, would've. those I could use. My mom yeah. was a horrible cook. Horrible cook. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was. I mean, it was kind of notorious. She's they they they're much better now. But my mom was an absolutely just abysmal cook. And um, I used to like go to camp and like the food, and I didn't know that it wasn't. You know, <laughs> I sort of got. I'm not lying. My mom was terrible. Wow, so yeah, the whole, mashed potatoes. These are amazing. My sister and I, <laughs> with the scene where she's giving them all the the TV dinner, and she's like, "And this one has the cobbler. You like the?" I'm like, oh, "I would love that Salisbury steak. That'd be awesome." <laughs> so, here's the next movie and our top five list of dark holiday movies. Number four, Die Hard. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki mother This gets name-checked a lot, I think, for people's favorite holiday movie. But anytime uh, a superstructure gets blown out of the sky, it's, there's a certain darkness to it, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, at a Christmas party, you see a guy's brains get splattered against the window. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. die is right in the title. <laughs> it was and years. Hard. It was years before. <laughs> I never thought of this as a, as a holiday movie, but um, I think people's as people's uh, sense of humor has got sicker and sicker over the years. Everyone just kind of decided that this was right on up there. Yeah, you know, with uh, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. I think this might be an antidote too. Like you, you maybe there are a lot of Christmassy movies, and and, and you know, I mean, I I think there's like. At least one cable network plays Die Hard on Christmas Day because I recall watching it one Christmas like, yeah. evening, 
after all the like family and presents and all that stuff, like it's kind of nice just to settle in and watch an action movie after all that like family stuff. Especially after your parents had given you a Jeep Renegade cologne bottle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, filled with lighter fluid. <laughs> I should have kept that. I found it online uh, like a couple years ago. I think I even wrote a blog item. You about should it. give it to your mom this year. I, you know, that's not a bad idea. Um, I think Avon used to sell it, if I recall correctly. Who here has actually seen every Die Hard movie? I I didn't work. I mean, I didn't see the one with uh, Justin Long, but I worked on the, the Live Free or Die Hard. I worked on that one. I did some behind the scenes stuff for that, so I did see that one. But I haven't yeah. seen them all. I think I saw the first three. I think I only saw two. I think I only the first two. I've probably seen multiple times. Yeah. After that, it's like hit and miss. Stack them, rack them, and pack them. That's what I remember from Die Hard 2. <laughs> and this was another like one that Die came Hard out in the summer, right? Oh, yeah. This came out in July, right? Which I, yeah. I would have assumed that this was, you know, looking back, you think, oh, that was obviously a big, you know, summer tentpole. But it was released in late July. So it wasn't a Memorial Day release. It wasn't a Fourth of July release. I wonder if they weren't thinking it would do very well. I, mean, I don't know. I just remember walking out of the theater and, and looking at my watch and being like, holy crap, that movie was like two hours long. It, it felt like an hour ten. Oh, yeah. It was so yeah. fast and so yeah. action-packed. It's I tight. love this movie. Yeah. yeah. It's just straight up good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And I recently realized I didn't have it. I think like last year I realized I didn't have it. So I went out and immediately bought the Blu-ray with the, the download. I want it. I'm like, how do I not have this movie? This is such a great movie. And for and for how many of us was this your first introduction to like Alan Rickman? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably me too. And I was thinking too, this was actually um, sealed my love for Bonnie Bedelia because she she was in a movie called Heart Like a Wheel a couple years before. She played a race car driver, Shirley Muldoon. <laughs> it was on HBO. A dragster driver. A dragster yeah, driver. that was her. Yeah, it was on HBO yeah. constantly. And I just remember yeah, thinking, like, I don't know who this actress is. I was a kid, but I was like, wow, she's amazing. And then when she showed up as the wife and she has such an awesome... I mean, it's it's a small part, but she what she does with it, I think, is wonderful. And I just remember thinking, Bonnie Bedelia, you have my loyalty for the rest of my life. I don't know. What <laughs> yeah. But I loved her in it. I thought she was great. Well, this was... And wasn't Die Hard supposed to originally going to be Commando 2? Shut up. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Why would I say doing research on Commando? What a sad life I lead. <laughs> <laughs> But they had they had written this as a sequel to Commando, and Schwarzenegger's like, nah, I'm not doing that. Ugh. And then Bruce Willis. Yeah. Dang. Thus, wow. thus Bruce Willis. Okay, continuing the countdown. Here's our next movie. Number three. Beat Street. All right, you people, get ready to cheer for the Christmas show at the Burning Spear. All you hip-hop's ready for a treat, because Santa Claus is on Beat Street. Ho, ho, ho. Open up your dough. I'm Santa Claus, and guess what, y'all? I got something to show. I came to bring some Christmas spirit. I got a big bag, now guess what's in it? Something for the rich and something for the poor. So Merry Christmas and ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, my foot. I'ma tell you what Santa really put under my so-called tree, but in reality, look like nothing but a decorated pole to me. Man, you talk about a tree. So I suggested we put this one on the list because evidently I'm the only one who's seen it. But it's... Uh... I have never heard of this <laughs> yeah, movie. seen it. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so this movie came out in 1984. I'm fairly certain that I want to say Quincy Jones produced it. I will. Uh, um, no, I'm no, sorry. Harry it was Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. Right, right, right. So the, fact check. False. Thank you for the real time fact check. Um, mm -hmm. So this movie, I feel, should have been like everybody knows about Break In. Everybody knows about Break Into Electric Boogaloo because the ridiculous title. Because yeah, it was the title that was ridiculous. But I feel like Beat Street should be more popular. Um, and so let me tell you a little bit about what what it is. So this movie was made in 1984, and it takes place in the South Bronx. And it really sort of shows the um, shows where hip hop started happening. So it, it revolves around this one DJ, and his younger brother is a break dancer. His best friend like tags trains. He's a he's a graffiti artist. So it's kind of all these folks living in the South Bronx. They're all broke, which is the dark part, right? Like they're react yeah. reacting to their to their environment and to their situation, but in really positive ways. So that's the light. 
Christmas light <laughs> metaphor, if you will. Um, but yeah, so they're all sort of like using their experience and making art out of it. And that's basically what the movie is. Uh, Ray Don Chong is in it. She plays, I think she's like a, a music she goes to a lo- local college and, and she's like a music conductor or something like this, but it's a, really oh, cool, not one of those people. Oh uh, yeah. But it's a really, I mean, it's a really cool movie and, and it's, um, what struck me, I haven't watched it in years and years, but I watched it last weekend and I, I literally like 30 years. I haven't seen this movie and I'm singing the songs. I'm like rapping along to some of the songs and I'm saying some <laughs> of the lines and I'm like, whoa. And it, it, I had this sort of stuck in the eighties moment where I'm like, wow, like these things are burned into my brain. Um, cause I haven't really, until we talked about this list, I hadn't thought about beat street very much, but if anybody's that's listening, that's planning to go on the cruise next year and you're thinking you're trying to figure out the hip hop versus, uh, metal night. Is that what it's called? Hip hop versus. Yeah. I think they called it. Now they're calling it hip hop versus eighties rock. Eighties rock. Consider watching this movie if you're like, maybe I'll try the hip hop thing because I, I think I think it's worth watching anyway, but it might give you some ideas. And the clothes in this movie, you guys, amazing. <laughs> There's this one scene <laughs> where the DJ is playing at um, oh, I can't, I can't, the nightclub is escaping me. Roxy is the main one he wants to do. I, I think that might be. I remember it, yeah. that. But the but the outfits, people are turned out, and it just I was like kind of coveting every like big belt that I, we, just amazing, amazing clothes in this movie. And the music is really good too. I think like cool Modi has a song in it. Um, and a lot of people who were sort of coming up at the time are in this movie. So I highly recommend this movie and I'm hoping that we'll play the Santa Claus rap at some point because it is too good. It's hilarious. Um, but anyway, yeah, beat street, I give it a try. Cause it, it's a good movie and it's, it's Christmas time it doesn't end well for some of the characters, which is also. I was going to say, I don't think the I don't think the poverty was the dark part. I think the the the. I mean, can we do spoilers? Yeah, on I wasn't a sure. Thirty two year old yeah. movie. Go there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the guys dies. One of the guys he gets dies. in a fight, and and hits a. a well, don't say how he dies because it's so shocking. <laughs> Literally shocking. That, literally, literally shocking. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he dies. Gee, I won't be able to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the dark part. But it's I, I watched the Christmas rap scene and a couple other like the scene where he's doing the rap. And it's for me, it's it's I don't have the memory that Jen does. So clearly this doesn't affect me the way it, it does her. But um, it was fun to see the. It's it's really the, the the genesis to a lot of of popping and locking and and you know break dancing and everything like that. You see some people and it looks like they're doing it poorly. It's just that they're it's the first time people are really doing it, so yeah. y- y- they don't really have it down. And and there's some really bad moonwalking and there's some other stuff. But <laughs> the 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 dancing it's it's yeah it's not quite as good as it's going to be later yeah, on they're polished. still learning their moves yeah it's yeah. not polished yeah. and i yeah. should yeah. also mention there's a cameo by dj cool herc which who started the whole dj scene which is sort of the the genesis of hip-hop so that's kind of fun huh. just historically to watch this movie is, is kind of cool speaking of uh the, the history of hip-hop have any of you guys seen that there's a documentary now on netflix about the early days of hip-hop no no yeah i saw that i haven't seen it but it's in the queue People who have seen it, I've, I've had a couple of friends of mine have seen it. And they say it's only, I guess it's only four episodes, so it really only covers the birth. But they say it's amazing, huh? Do you have so to be a fan of hip hop and all that just to to enjoy it, or is it? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either, because hip hop is so pervasive in in music and culture now. You know what I mean? It's sort of seeped in, like it's in commercials and stuff. So it it might be kind of interesting to kind of see where it all started it's not my thing but i but i am going to check it out and see what how it is so anyway look for that on netflix meanwhile here's the second movie on our list of the top five dark holiday movies of the 80s number two lethal weapon now let me say i uh i take the whole stash off your hands for free and you assholes can go to jail what do you say about that now i can read you guys your rights but now you guys already know what your rights are don't you This badge ain't real. You ain't real. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm crazy? Yeah. Are you calling me crazy? You think I'm crazy? Yeah, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. (laughs) Now, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real gun. 
I'm going to need some help on this one because I, I'm going to admit this right now. I have not seen this movie all the way through. Wait, what? No way. How could you have there's, not seen the whole movie? There's, uh, there are gaps. We all have gaps. You know, yeah, I never but if saw, you start watching it, you've got to finish this movie. You can't uh, just... No, not, uh, not so much. No. <laughs> you, you, dis- you disappoint me, Spearsy. You disappoint me. I think maybe I've seen the, the second or the third installment, the one that has Joe Pesci in it. I think I've seen that one all the way oh, through. Oh, seriously? I think, I think oh, that man. disappoints me more. We're voting you off the island. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, there are gaps. I think I mean, this I is one of the great action movies of the 80s. It is It is just, it's crazy bonzo start to finish, and somehow it works. Like, the, the, yeah. the whole thing is, if you, like, say the plot out loud to someone, and you're like, that sounds so freaking stupid. It's ridiculous. And yet, the movie is just spellbinding. The original script was really a lot darker, too. I mean, you know, here we've got gangs, you know, beating people up and uh, cops up in, in nightclubs right at Christmas time. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's dark already, but the original one had um, a truck filled with cocaine that gets blown up <laughs> right by the Hollywood sign. And so all the cocaine starts falling and it looks like snow on the Hollywood sign. That's how that, it ended, the original. That, that really is kind of perfect, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, it's a Shane Black flick. It was all his movies are insanely dark, and I think that's the first thing he wrote, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was one of the. No, he wrote. Oh gosh, darn it! He wrote. He actually wrote. Okay, I know too much about this movie. He wrote another script about a group of of uh, soldiers who were killed in, I think, Vietnam, and um, they their bodies are shipped back to America, where because they were super soldiers when they went over to Vietnam. They came back and they were like brought back to life as zombies, and that was called Shadow Company, and that's what they ended up naming Gary Busey's group of of the you know the bad guys in in Lethal Weapon were known as Shadow Company. Uh. So that was a little nod to to his first thing that he wrote. Um, and this might have been one of the first things that was made. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but yeah, Lethal Weapon was the original script was really a lot darker and. Richard Donner, who directed Lethal Weapon, he kept um, lightening it up and lightening it up and trying to add yeah. funnier moments. But there was there was a whole scene where some of the stuff in the trailer um, didn't make it into the final film. But there's a, the original first scene of Lethal Weapon. Mel Gibson's character uh, gets in a fight with two guys at a bar who try to rob him. And the bar owner gives him a free uh, bottle. He says, if you promise to never come back here again after the fight, you know, to kind of demonstrate yeah. how tough he was and instead they went with the opening scene with him and his um his trailer gonna commit suicide hmm. so what's what's the christmas aspect of this movie does it take place during christmas yeah yeah, yeah. it takes place during christmas and and murtaugh's house is being redecorated it's get, being rebuilt but it's also right around the holidays right that's the time period of the movie yeah they're decorating for christmas i mean that's the beauty of shooting a christmas movie in la you can do it any time because it pretty much always yeah. looks the same here Blue skies, yeah. 70 degrees. They did pay the Hollywood uh, Chamber of Commerce like $4,000 to put up the Christmas decorations early for filming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And one other bit of information I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was Bruce Willis, he turned down the role of Murtaugh for Mel, and Mel Gibson took this role, but Mel Gibson turned down the role of John McClane in Die Hard, which Bruce Willis got. Ooh, Chris so, Cross. Yes, Sw- exactly. Switch murders. So it happens um, when you read too much trivia. I was surprised to see that Mel Gibson had taken a couple years off before he was in this. That he did he worked so much in 1985. He's just like I need to I need some downtime and he went and was on his cattle ranch in Australia for a couple years. Well, he's not always been known as the most mentally stable guy. So, <laughs> yeah, I so, can see him taking some time off. So you're saying he was playing to type in this this he might have been. <laughs> so I, I remember watching this actually on VHS with some some uh, friends at a slumber party and there's this, uh, I'm, I'm reluctant to share, share this information, but I'll do it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but <laughs> was this your favorite makeout slumber party? No, 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 no. It, We were we just, just friends at a slumber party. But we, I remember watching the movie and there's a scene toward the end where they capture Riggs and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're torturing him. And so he's like yeah. kind of naked and kind of getting, like, but there's a scene where you see Mel Gibson's butt pretty clearly. And it wasn't me. It was a friend that paused uh-huh. it. And like, we would rewind it and pause it and like <laughs> try to, God. 
And I say this because we're saying, you know, in, in the show notes here that this is Mel Gibson's comeback movie. And I think it did position him to be, you know, a, a sort of heartthrob kind of guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the reviewers were pretty kind, right? I mean, this movie... I mean, it not only cleaned up in the box office, but the people who reviewed it gave it pretty good reviews, right? Yeah, the the review in Time really cracked me up. It said, the Richard Sheckel said, it's Mad Max meets the Cosby show. <laughs> but, and, and he means that in a good way. Yeah. You know, which I like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll buy that. I just, again, going back to all the filming locations, I didn't know this until I looked it up this morning, but the, uh, the nightclub where the bad guys um, have their nightclub, it's actually yeah. a... A hot dog stand now, and I I've eaten there like a bunch of times, not knowing it was the same place. <laughs> that's funny. You eat under the marquee that used to say the Ritz. So. I thought you were going to say it's it's that's worth that was, that was Florentine Gardens. No, <laughs> for those of you not in LA, it was like a, a pretty famous or at least heavily advertised dance club back in the eighties. Richard Blade was always going to be there on Saturday night. <laughs> and without further ado, here is the number one dark holiday movie of the eighties. Number one. Less than zero. Hi, Clay. Hi. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You look pale. Well, Santa's going to put a suntan in my stocking. So how's school? Great. You know, school. Well, you, you look great. I thought I looked pale. Well, you look pale and great. Have you seen Julian? No. He misses you. You know, the three of us together, like in high school. Why'd you call? I wanted to. Good reason. Well, there's more. I'm here. I think Julian's in a lot of trouble. Julian? I didn't know who else to call. I can think of about 500 people downstairs. No, he's in trouble. Old trouble or new trouble? He disappears, nobody knows where, and then he comes back like nothing ever happened, and, and he's wasted all the time. Julian's been doing that since he's 10. No, it's different. I mean, he gets really sick. It's not like you remember. Will you just talk to him and... I didn't come home to talk to Julian. Please? I gotta go. No, um, do you ever think about me? Do you? Yeah. All the time. You know, I just got this book out of my head, Steve, and you dragged me back in. <laughs> I hear the I hear the book is is like five times darker than the movie. Oh, you 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 couldn't make the book. You could not do a literal translation of the book into the movie. Number one, everyone in the theater would kill themselves. Yeah, I've never seen this movie, and there is nothing to convince me to go see it. I like the movie, actually. I will say that. Um, I think, you know, it's like, I, to keep going back to the book, which is just so, oh, just the people, the characters are so unlikable at their core. And you can't really make a movie like that. So the author of, what's his name? Brett, whatever, Stand Ellis. Ellis. Easton Ellis. Brett, thank you. Brett Easton Ellis is like, oh, they really watered it down. Well, they were going to kind of have to. You know, they had to make somebody in that. Some character has to be someone that you can, rep, you know, that you can recognize a little bit of yourself in. Um, and so this is, of course, going to be somehow, I mean, it has a happy ending even in a way for some of the, well, they had to reshoot it. The original yeah. idea, they didn't. And they, they shot a happier ending and they actually shot a couple of scenes where they went back in time to show them in happier yeah. times in high school. Yeah. yeah. Just to give some context to the friendship. Yeah. Again, not selling me on seeing this movie. Someone tried to sell me on this. I'll, I'll try. I'll give it a shot. So I, I, I like the book too. It's, it's a downer for sure, but I, but I like the book and it's a great time capsule kind of book. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't like the book. I'm unhappy that I read it. Oh, okay. That's different than what I'm <laughs> suggesting here. I like the book. I'd say download it on Audible and give it a shot, but maybe wait after, till after Christmas. Um, don't. <laughs> or do. Um, but, le- the, but the movie, I think, is, uh, is very entertaining. The music is great. I mean, talk about an 80s time capsule. I think... Uh, I think I'm thinking about Mad Men right now and how they, they set the scene for that time period. So I think this movie captures that time period really well. The the colors of it, the angles, agree. the music. I mean, the whole sort of feeling. It feels like this time a lot. 
I mean, you know, a, a hyper affluent period of time and specific to to California. But it's a really good movie. I think this is Jamie Gertz's best work. It's my favorite role of hers. Um, I think she actually gets to do some real acting in it. And I, I, I think that's entertaining. And I actually think Andrew McCarthy does a really good job in this role because he's sort of like so vanilla that it works. But like, to your point, Brad, he becomes the audience's stand in like he becomes the guy who went off to uh, the East Coast for college comes back, stepped out of right, it, comes yeah. back for Christmas vacation, and like sees what the hell happened and is going on with his friends, which is not good. P.S. Um, but he <laughs> has the right affect finally for like he's well cast in this because he's sort of like us, you know. He's he's our yeah, his, his everyman qualities kind of make it, it work. It works, yeah, it really works. Yeah. And as far as like the Christmas aspect of it, it's kind of fun to see like this decadent L.A. late eighties Christmas. You know, like this is how it might yeah. be. Um, I will say, Drew, it's worth watching be- just because it looks great. It really yeah. does look great, and it really captures the time. I think. Well, I just feel like the darkness of the of the subject matter, and the fact that I am I am I'm really not a fan of Andrew McCarthy. I don't know what it is. He just he's like you said, vanilla. I really hate to badmouth the guy because I, I don't have any ill will towards him. I just don't like his acting. Yeah, it so it the- works. It works in this this one vehicle. I think it works. And then also I didn't even mention the best thing about this movie is Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Oh yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's right. just really it's good. It's it's lay especially for this kind of movie, it's quite layered given that it's kind of like a pop culture schlocky kind of movie. You know, it's not a heavy yeah. movie in terms of um you know, seriousness or gravitas or something like that. But Robert Downey Jr., like it is amazing and it's it's a painful performance to watch a little bit given his background yeah yeah exactly let me ask you this question this this movie obviously came out in 1987 would a film adaptation of less than zero work better today you know 30 years later than it did coming out at the same time i think you could almost make the same movie with different clothes and different cars yeah i feel no but i, I mean, think it like, would be an hbo miniseries but still base it in in, uh, I mean, still base it in the 80s. Oh. Um, but would, it, would it work better as a time capsule 30 years later than it did uh, at maybe. the time? That may be. I, you know, I was surprised. I assumed this movie did well because it was on my radar. So I guess that's just the Brad-centric universe. But it didn't make very much money. It was it was in and out within five or six weeks. I mean, it did come out in early November. So maybe points for being a Christmas movie released at Christmas. But... Um, it does not. It didn't stick around. It didn't make it through the middle of December in theaters. Well, I mean, it's a it's a dark subject matter movie that's hard to sell. Yeah, but that, I mean, it's that really Corvette, really dark. His, his Corvette is great, though. Oh, oh there we go. And the houses. <laughs> yeah, the houses are pretty spectacular. Car, car, and house porn. Yeah. Oh, I should mention mm. too that James Spader has a small role in this, and he is, is just his spaderiest. Spader. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. He's, he's, a deli- he's deliciously jerky. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. He's just, oh, he's on point. Yeah. It was the golden age of Spader, that's for mm. sure. Uh, these five movies are not the only five movies we deem to be dark. Uh, we have some honorable mentions, among them uh, Scrooged, the aforementioned Scrooged, which um, we did a, a whole episode on a few years ago. Uh, Roger and Me, the uh, Michael Moore documentary, actually came out uh, in 1989. It has a great Christmas scene where people are being th- evicted from their homes on Christmas Day, juxtaposed with um, G- you know GE having some real decadent holiday party. Talk, it's dark. Yeah, that uh, one. Tr- I remember that documentary, man. That that was infuriating That's to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as it was designed to be. Well, yes. Uh, Trading Places this is another movie we deemed. I mean, Dan yeah. Aykroyd tries to kill himself dressed and as Santa. It, it, it's holiday adjacent, but it doesn't really have a lot of. I don't know. He I, I, I didn't Santa feel bad outfit. about the movie in that. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. But there's a lot of Christmas in that movie. Uh, there's a lot of New Year's and there's a lot of Thanksgiving too. So it don't pay it, it to be no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Gremlins, which we did, uh, I think, back in 2014, pretty dark. Especially, another, I guess, some Richard of the Donner movie, yeah, yeah, and some of the some of the unfilmed uh, scenes, you know, some of the backstory there was particularly dark. And then the, um, the rarely, if never seen, "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence," starring uh, David Bowie. 
Yeah, I watched a trailer on that, and I could not figure out what the hell that was about. What's that even about? It's a prisoner of war movie uh, based in World War II, and it's um, your typical – I wouldn't – there's no typical – uh, POW movie, but it's like the British of the River Kwai meets Hogan's, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan! There's, nothing, there's really probably not a light moment in that movie. It is uh, as dark as it gets. That, that, that so used to be on right HBO a lot, too. It yeah. did. It did. Can I just say one real quick thing? My um, My cousin was at Warner Brothers. He was actually in charge of marketing when Gremlins came out. And when I saw we were going to do this, I kind of sent him a quick email. I was like, you know, how, how, what were the challenges on marketing a dark Christmas movie? Because yeah, I mean, that came out in the summer. Yeah. And that was the thing. And I asked him, I'm like, why did you, did you put it out in the summer? Or is it just cause you know, it was so dark. And he said, no, we put it out in the summer a, because the, that was when the film was ready. And B, um, we were just trying to get kids coming out of school. Oh. You know, and so that's why I think maybe a lot of these come out in the summers are just trying to get the kid audience. But he also did say one thing about about Gremlins. He says they were trying. He said it was a very fine line. They were trying to not make it uh, scary, but to make it kind of um, creepy, but not scary. I mean, there's a fine line there. Yeah, and so that's what they were really aiming for when they were making the film, and and the trouble with with marketing that film. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. And yeah, mom murdering animals in the kitchen is not exactly, you know, happy summer fair, but yeah. And uh, per- Gremlins was actually one of the first premieres I got to go to because he worked on it. He got oh, us yeah? into th- to the premiere, yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was fun. Can I ask a question? Do- yeah? Does the Terminator take place at Christmas time? I have like this vague memory of it be but I I don't I might be wrong. Your tinsel, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. I don't. I don't think, think it no, does. Maybe not. Maybe not. Again, it's it's based in L.A., so it's hard to tell because L.A. never yeah. has seasons, and it's all after dark, isn't it? Most of it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Tech noir. Let's all go to Tech Noir. <laughs> isn't that the name of the nightclub? It is. It is. That's good <laughs> trivia. We've never done a show on on Terminator, actually, for that matter. So what is wrong I guess have to watch that sometime. <laughs> You haven't Wait, seen Terminator what? either? I don't know what's Terminator. going on. Come on. I've seen Terminator. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know what you haven't seen, though? The Seggies. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Uh, please, please tell me now. It's the relatively obscure and rarely used segment where we answer a random question from one of our listeners. Um, we found the perfectly themed question for this show and it came from uh, Alejandro Cardoso Solis uh, Brad take it away ah Alejandro Cardoso Solis writes when my time comes and I am being lowered into the ground in my casket I would like them to play come sail away by sticks my favorite song of all time now before 80s nation revolts about it not being an 80s song I would ask them to play the live version from the caught in the act came out in 1984 with the intro by Dennis DeYoung before the song starts. So now that I've given you my bona fides, what would be your song, gentle podcasters? Uh, a song about my own death. Hmm. You guys are dark. You know that? You guys are really dark. Oh, my God. This is a dark question for a dark podcast. Um, you mean everybody doesn't have like a kind of running playlist of songs they want played at their memorial? Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually, I've thought, I've thought about how do I communicate that to my kids and family so that they'll know. Well, and I'm not disappointed. That's true. Um, I'm gonna go, Brad. It's funny because Brad and I had this long conversation the other day, um, totally unrelated to this. We didn't even know this question had existed from Alejandro, but um, for some reason we started talking about it via IM one day. And I came up with this one, uh, Oingo Boingo, No One Lives Forever. Nice. You can pick a lot of Boingo songs, but yeah. yeah. 
That's a really good one. Um, Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party. <laughs> yeah, Dead Man's Party. I think, I don't know, I like the line in No One Lives Forever that when it's over, said, and done, better that you'd had some fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. take, take that to heart, 80s Nation. <laughs> you put that on my tombstone and then plant it right outside the Haunted Mansion at Disney World. Here live, Steve. Um, Brad, what's yours? Uh, well, I've this again, I spent too much time thinking about these kind of things. My go-to choice there would be U2's Where the Streets Have No Name. What attracts you to that song? Uh, because I think that's a good metaphor. I will have shed this mortal coil. I will have gone on to whatever awaits, whether that be nothing or something. And I just I imagine that as a, where the streets have no name. That's where I will be. I will no longer be with you. Okay, Jen. It's no secret. Well, no, listen. listen <laughs> Anybody who's heard a podcast <laughs> with you knows you're going to pick a Prince hold song. Hold on, hold on. Uh, hold on. I said <laughs> when we were talking um, earlier this year about um, Graceland, Paul Simon's Graceland, uh, uh-huh. the 30th anniversary, that I would love at my funeral. I think I actually said these words that I just want them to play that album from beginning to end and make everyone sit and listen to the entire album. So there's that. However, that's not the question. The question is what one song. So I had to think, okay, what one song? So at the risk of being a, a tad predictable, <laughs> I chose a Prince song. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but I, cho- I chose Let's Go Crazy because it's an awesome song. And I love the beginning of it because it sounds like it takes place. It sounds like a churchy song anyway. So I would mm-hmm. love to hear those opening notes. And it sounds like, you know, dearly beloved, we are, I mean, it's, it's right there. It's all in the song. Um, and it did all the work for you. Exactly. And it's not very long. And honestly, like I think about, and this is an eighties thing. Um, think about the movie, the big chill. And at the mm-hmm. very beginning of the movie where they all, all the friends gather for the funeral and, um, Mary, Mary, no, it wasn't Mary Beth Williams. No, I think yeah. it was, yeah. So she is playing the the organ, and she starts playing very slowly. You think it's going to be a hymn the first time you watch it. And she's playing You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Stones. <laughs> and everyone yeah, kind of sure. looks at one another and smiles and, like, shares this moment of their friend. And, uh, and that's kind of how I imagine it. So, like, maybe it, the, the actual song would play, or maybe somebody would play it on the organ you know what i mean big, so big i could like organ. have that yeah. big chill moment so that's that's part of the reason I, I chose let's go crazy plus it's an awesome song i agree it's a good choice drew do you have a song or are you I, just I going got, to i got nothing i mean maybe waiting for the worms by pink floyd but i think that's from <laughs> the wall i don't have a song i mean i haven't really thought about it it, it um i i think this is something i i, I like to ponder these questions usually these kind of things come to me while I'm driving into work and I'm, Oh, that's, you know, kind of random things. Cause I got a long commute. So I got time yeah. to think about stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've never really thought about a song I want to sh- have when they're lowering me in the ground. That just is really dark guys. Well, first of all, I don't want to be lowered in the ground. I want to be cremated and I've already oh, I left I want to be shot into space. I've, lo- I've already <laughs> left pretty explicit instructions about where I want my ashes scattered. Um, really? But, uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, let's go there. Come on. Where where do you want your oh, ashes scattered? There's a place up in the Sierras that my family has gone camping. Katie and I used to go before the kids were born, and we've been taking the kids since they were little. We go every year. Uh, there's this beautiful meadow. There's a stream there that I always fish in every year when we go camping, and and that's I think that's where I should be. That's where I would want to be. That's f- beautiful. I'll send you pictures. It's a fantastic spot. I'm not being sarcastic. That's awesome. I think that's great. I, now I have two things to think about. The song that I want and where I want to be I, my ashes. Lit. I really have no interest in like, don't buy a big piece of marble and put it over my yeah. body. Whatever is whatever it is that makes me me will have been, will be gone. And this sack of meat is less than useless. Get rid of it. Well, I want to be cremated as well, but I know exactly where I want my ashes scattered. Um, I don't think I've ever told anybody this. There was a little lake. I mean, a pond. Practically, that mm-hmm. is um, was right across the um, street from the subdivision I grew up in um, in the seventies and eighties. 
in uh, Clearwater. It, it's a pond that's part of a cemetery. And um, we used to, as a kid, I used to go there and fish almost every day. Oh, yeah? You know, during the summer and stuff like that. That's where I kind of taught myself to fish. But it was also where my friends and I just would always go and spend time and talk about things. And um, if if I had my choice, I'm sure you can't legally do that. But if, if I could, that's where I would scatter my ashes. 80s Nation will take care of it for you, Steve. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a map. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Yeah, none Not of this there. one-eyed willy crap, okay? Just, yeah. just, yeah. just give us the coordinates, all right? Yeah, we will. <laughs> hey, if you've got a good answer yourself for what uh, what song you want to be lowered into the ground with, uh, be sure to email us. The email address is podcast at sit80s.com. And always remember uh, to keep uh, sending in your PBTMN questions. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. This is the segment where we play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you can get it right, uh, you're entered into the drawing for the um, bottle opener, the stuck in 80s bottle openers. Interesting. We had um, the last show we did was our Thanksgiving show, and um, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And we did, and what we did was we did the, um, we took an old podcast, our old Plane, Trains, and Automobiles podcast. And then we put uh, a new beginning on it, and we put fresh seggies on it. And judging by the n- number of people who submitted answers to this week's seggies, I'm guessing people didn't make it all the way through. So maybe our experiment failed. Uh, in any I'm case, I'm sure it was the tryptophan. It was obviously the turkey. Yeah, because we didn't get too many. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the clip from that show. I didn't know you were such a ballet fan. I thought you just liked it in private. Yes, that's flash dance, and you'll be amazed by how many people got it right. Read them, Brad. Okay, here we go. It's a big list. Winners this week include Robert Jordan, Brent from Blutes, Marisa from Kankakee, Edward in El Paso. And no one else. <laughs> I didn't know it. But then again, I I've never it. seen Flashdance. What? what? Yeah. Never seen it. Oh, no. Try the lobster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jen. I've let you down. <laughs> Even I've seen this one. Uh, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. What's so awful about it? It's so awful. There's no way to even begin to explain what's so awful about it. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Uh, again, you know the drill. We'll play a piece of a song from the 80s. You get it right. Um, you are in the drawing for the uh, bottle openers. Pay attention. Here was the slightly more recognized tune from our last show. That's Chicago with Stay the Night. I get it. People didn't get this one because it was basically four drum beats, but a lot of people did, though. A lot yeah. of people did. I, I was like, it. "Did you really?" Because I'm like, "There's no way anyone's getting that. That's way too hard." But everybody. for me, though, is I loved this video. This is the video where the guys like trying to chase the girl, and the cars like he's hanging on the side of the cars, and it's this oh, like yeah. total stuntman video. No, I remember. Oh, yeah, so I, I remember one. immediately. Yep, uh, Bradley. Take care of the winners for us. Oh, nothing would please me more. This week's winners include Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Brock in North Dakota, Alejandro Cardoso Solis, Cass in Cincinnati, Peter Ryan in Montreal, Gary and Gilroy, OJ in La Caruna, Spain, Tim from Toadsuck, Joseph Perdue, and Kevin Serving Wench. Okay, let's spin the wheel and see who gets the uh, bottle back. And the wheel's going to land on Kurt in Dirty Jersey. Woohoo! There you go. Kurt, nice. uh, email us your uh, mailing address and uh, we'll take care of it. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us again. The email address podcast at sit80s.com. And tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
People can hardly wait to get through Christmas dinner when they know they're getting Baskin-Robbins ice cream cakes made specially for them for dessert. Baskin-Robbins, we've made your Christmas a piece of cake. back and it's time to play uh what's your 80s obsession bradley what's your uh, 80s obsession this week well this week uh my 80s obsession is a website called live and loud shows a friend of mine sent me this link earlier this week, mainly because he had found a couple of Devo concerts on there. But it is the website of a Dutch guy, a Dutch person, a Dutchie, who has basically collected live recordings mainly off of the soundboard of shows. And he goes through and he spends time cleaning them up and making the audio sound right. And then he posts them online. They're all shows that aren't otherwise available. He says... Uh, on the site if for some reason the artist does start to sell this recording i will take it down but it's got a ton of great 80s concerts on there um there are a couple flock of seagull shows which you could probably skip um adam and the ant uh blondie uh there's a thomas dolby set from 1984 there's like the rhythmics there's a couple of devo shows like i said there's just a ton of of sets and he's got he lists the set lists and um they're they're fantastic they're really fun to listen to Drew, what's your 80s obsession? Um, well, my daughters are really into musical theater, so we've been into Hamilton. So I guess it's 1780s, but that qualifies, <laughs> right? I'll allow it. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. That is no, not actually, a bridge too far. It is close to a bridge too far, but it is not a bridge too far. Actually, my 80s obsession is Jen's fault. Yay! Uh, because – no, and I appreciate it and I thank you for it because on the Reunification podcast, you said that your – fight song when you're coming out to uh in a boxing arena that you want to hear i think it was panama oh, right yeah. wasn't it panama yep. and i thought to myself wow i haven't listened to van halen in a long time so i have been just on a van halen in the 80s tear nice. uh just listen to you know panama and, and everybody wants some and all everything it's just oh i'm having such a good time with that so that's 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 been my 80s obsession nice I- I, I gotta admit, when I need to when I need a power boost at work, I go to YouTube and I look up uh, live clips, like performance clips of Van Halen. Yeah, especially from like the early days. It's just kind of it's that is like that's the juice I need to get through the rest of the day. Yeah, I feel like if they so. had a, a, a like energy drink called David Lee Roth, I would drink it by the like, six pack. <laughs> oh, very salty. <laughs> yeah, you might want to run that through the sieve to get the chest yeah. hair out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of electrolytes, though. That's that's good. <laughs> it went gross so uh, fast. <laughs> it did. That Sorry. was lucky. All right, let me get, let me uh, get Jen, us back your, on track. Yeah, so I have Jen, a music one. I have us. a music obsession as well. So we did the you know reunification, and then things happened in the world, and then Thanksgiving. But so what I've been doing is listening to a lot of Janet Jackson. <laughs> And one uh, CD in particular that's just in my in my CD player constantly if I don't ha- find something good on the 80s station, <laughs> Rhythm Nation. So if you haven't listened to Rhythm Nation before or if you haven't listened to it in a while, man, what a good CD. It's so good, you guys. And it's such a rev- – like speaking of you know getting revved up, it's so good. It's so good. And, and part of me when I first listened to it – after a long time, it it was sort of struck me because it's a very poli- it's her very political album, and uh, and it's all about sort of like organizing and fighting the man and all this kind of stuff. And and it's interesting as a time capsule because some of the things she mentions are like Tiananmen Square gets a shout out. It's sort of interesting that way. But <laughs> wow. there are some things. I mean, you know, it, there's a lot there's um, a lot about breaking the color line, and so it's a little depressing in that regard because you're sort of like eh, we didn't quite do it. Sorry, Janet. But it it really is the the it's so rhythmically oriented this album there, there's like yeah, there's, the beats are pounding and it's just a good good album and that song in particular that kicks it off 
is so like it just has been revving me up for the last couple of weeks. Um, and then there's also fun songs in between. I'm like Love Will Never Do is in there. Black Cat is in there. I mean, there's some fun sort of lighter songs to lighten up the mood of the album itself. But yeah, Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to complete the uh, the uh, circle here with another musical obsession. Uh, there's a Tom Petty documentary that's on Netflix right now. It's called Running Down a Dream. It's, I think it was directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Wow. It is four hours long. So I suggest you digest it in pieces. Yeah. It, but it's amazing. And it goes all the way back to his uh, beginnings in Gainesville, Florida, where I went to school. It um, obviously focuses a lot on the 80s where he had, you know, a lot of his commercial success. Sure. And it goes, but it goes all the way up until it's, it's, I think, a 2007 documentary. So it doesn't include the last 10 years, but still, it's really, really good. At the same time that I'm watching this, uh, I've probably seen it four times now. Uh, wow. Just this week, they came out with the news that Tom Petty is has just announced his uh, 40th anniversary tour. So the what the tour dates came out for that. There's a couple in Florida, one in Tampa, none in Orlando, sadly. But uh, there's some really interesting uh, venues. I think he's playing at uh, Wrigley Field is one of the, one of the stops. Huh. Cool. So this probably I would not be surprised if this is his last big tour. I, I know he has smaller projects. Yeah. I mean, they're all he and the Heartbreakers are all in their mid sixties now. So, and I think he prefers the smaller type theater gigs. So, yeah. if you want a chance to catch, he's he's an amazing live act. I know it's you know not as trendy as us talking about uh, you know some of the more new wave ish bands that we tend to focus on. But um, I've seen Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers once live about ten years ago, and I was blown away by by their musicianship. So, cool. definitely something worth seeing. Anyway, thanks guys for being here, for going dark with us here for a while. Man, really dark. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) We we dug out of it. We dug out of it. Um, I don't know if we'll do another show before the end of the year. So um, let me take this opportunity to tell everyone, you know, have a great holiday season. Be very safe in your travels. If we don't speak again in 2016, there's always next year. Because uh, Brad, myself, and the rest of us will all remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And remember, this is only an exhibition, not a competition. Please, no wager. Number five! Those voice lessons are really paying off. i got to turn down my headphones for a second. <laughs>